the only question is, can you integrate them and have incremental value? And so I think that's the way a lot of large tech companies do this. And so they don't have to experiment radically. They have to acquire <laughs> aggressively. <laughs> Hey folks, this is Michael Vizi from Amazing FBA Podcast for Amazon Sellers. I'd like to introduce an episode from our sister podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, which has got a slightly broader remit for all e-commerce sellers. In this deep dive episode, Jason Miles and I deep dive into a key e-commerce topic. Hope you enjoy the show. Today, we're in the middle of a discussion about Jeff Bezos's legacy, but also we're not talking today about Andy Jassy's day one. He's just starting as, at the time of recording of the podcast, literally just stepping into the CEO role of Amazon and talking about Amazon's future plans. And in fact, the level of continuity that we're discussing as well, what's he going to keep from the Jeff Bezos sort of legacy? What's he going to start doing? What's he going to stop doing? So that's the basic framework that we're working in. Keep, start, stop. A very good framework for any business leader, but particularly interesting when it comes to a giant, fascinating business like Amazon. So we're going to get into this. There'll be necessarily a lot of speculation because none of us can foresee the future and we don't work for Amazon. If we did, we wouldn't be allowed to talk about this stuff on air. But I do think that the sort of themes that we bring up are things that you as a business leader should be thinking about in order to position your business to ride the waves and avoid the troughs. So do stay tuned as ever. And thanks in advance for your attention. Never taken for granted. Always a, an honor to have your attention. Enjoy the show. So let's focus in on that because obviously for e-commerce leaders, that's got to be the main question. So this is the keep, keep, start, stop framework that you mentioned, which is excellent. It's something I used to use, a, a really great framework. I guess that Andy Justice got to have some version mm -hmm. of that. Yeah. I would suggest that on the retail side, and let's discuss this because it's the core of it, isn't it? Yeah. I would say on the, the, the retail platform side, given the vast expense of their ever increasing provinces for delivery, and if they're going for two hour or one hour delivery, which I know in the UK, I've, I've ordered stuff in London, certain locations. I imagine in Seattle, it's the same that you can order stuff and it will get delivered literally within two hours, which is yeah. pretty amazing for a basic range of products. Then they're, they're going to get increasing pressure to find income because as a first party seller, 2020 was their biggest revenue year and their massive loss of 40 billion us dollars that's not chump change even for mm -hmm. amazon so i think they're going to need to to find money from sellers fees from ads and an fba fees generally i think their marketplace is going to be their cash cow i don't yeah. think it's going to be their innovation platform i think there's all sorts of other things aws amongst them what do you think about that? Do you think that's really where it's going or do you see other dynamics at play? They've made a clear statement that their advertising income is important to them for scaling and that that is an emphasis area for them. And I think there's huge opportunity there to the extent that you can say to a third party seller, hey, you can sell on our system and we charge you whatever it is, let's just say 15% or whatever. But if you really want to do well, then give us more money for advertising and you'll really scale up your sales. They just have a whole layer of income opportunity that they're increasingly layering onto the third-party seller experience. I think that is absolutely a keep and they're going to grow that for sure, 100%. And that'll be an interesting driver of revenue. Given that then, so to your earlier point about at some point it gets unattractive for third-party sellers and people start looking for alternatives. Yeah. I would say also, what about the the point where it becomes unattractive for consumers? Amazon's mm -hmm. kind of shibboleth, the, mm -hmm. the holy, the holy yeah. customer who must be treated like a mini-god. At some point, presumably, if all you get is ads and they're mostly people are advertising because they don't get organic ranked therefore maybe it's not such a great product or it hasn't got such a good match to the search term yeah uh, 
presumably at some point that really starts to degrade the consumer experience. How far off that point do you think? I can just tell you my personal experience that I bought a Kindle that has ads enabled and it's almost unusable to me and I want to not use it. And that's just my personal, like my personal reading, you know, process is I like a tablet, definitely like a tablet. I had an iPad that got old. Then I was like, well, I don't know if I want to pay like whatever is $800 for a, an iPad. And so I went to the Kindle version, which I had a Kindle for a long time. And, but the ads is just absolutely infuriating. So that's me personally. I don't know. I guess it's a balancing act. How much advertising will people take? It depends. It's a very interesting um, position to be in, in terms of the person running the ads. Um, I would say if they're doing any kind of user uh, behavior testing on the Kindle devices, they have to see people hating their ads and, and setting down their Kindle and not picking it up again. Almost. Yeah. So, I guess, yeah. I guess it reminds me really of commercial TV, particularly perhaps in America. I mean, yeah. Britain just That's does right. copies of what the Americans do really in, in many things culturally and certainly economically. And one of the, the obviously characteristics of American terrestrial TV is just vast loading of ads. Yeah. And I guess if you're used to it and everything else is just as bad, you have to put up with it. My question is whether somebody can produce a better experience whether you're in well, right. losing people so <clears throat> that's what's happening on tv it's all it's all turning to the ott programming do the netflix hulu's disney pluses etc cetera, etc cetera. and so the membership model is replacing the ad-based model in uh, tv that's absolutely happening and i'm sure amazon will pivot and change and uh, adapt effectively in that space, but they nonetheless have a huge opportunity. Okay, so I've got another thing that Amazon should keep, Andy Jassy should keep, and that is, I think, but this has got a this has got a problem inherent in it. He should absolutely keep acquiring good companies. Now they've done a really good job. Whole Foods is a big acquisition opportunity for them that I think was brilliant. It was an interesting acquisition, and I think it made a, a ton of sense. And they've done other really smart acquisitions, so I think they're good at acquisition. And I think that's part of the opportunity for them to continuously engage customers. The problem inherent in that is we're clearly going into an anti-monopoly environment legally and legislatively in the U.S. at least where and I would assume in Europe as well, where the big tech companies are being looked at with more and more scrutiny. And it's just candidly not the time to be bolting on huge operations that could be quickly unwound by governments in anti-monopoly lawsuits or whatever. So I think they should try to keep acquiring. But if they acquire stuff that's too good and too obvious that could be standalone, they might end up peeling that off in the future. Yeah, interesting point about their abilities versus the timing. I guess that other companies have grown a lot more by acquisition than Amazon, partly because Amazon's not been very cash rich. It's been relative to its revenue. If you compare it to Google, which obviously had the taste and, and the good sense to buy YouTube, which apparently, I think you mentioned this, so they spent as much money on YouTube's acquisition as it makes every few days. So that was a phenomenally smart move. Now, that might be a once in a lifetime, even for somebody as smart as Google, but they do have the Google incubator. So they incubate new companies. So they're very into the space of incubating companies, acquiring pieces of startups, buying out established companies. Do you think Amazon even has the chops for that compared to a Google or, or even a Microsoft? Oh, clearly they do. They're good at acquisition. They're good at bolting on. I mean, they now the Whole Foods employees. This is interesting, actually. I hadn't thought of this before because we go to Whole Foods regularly. It's our treat some grocery store we go to. It's not our normal grocery store because it's not close, but it's when we want something special or whatever. Right after Amazon took it over, the Whole Foods employees really went into a funk and really were unhappy. And it was because of the personnel policies. 
And that goes back to our primary issue that we had talked about before. And they were trying to whatever, I don't know if they were unionizing, but they were all trying to figure out how to collectively argue, protest or whatever. And But they are good at finding companies of, of interesting value. So there you go. I think there's huge value in that. I do. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned antitrust legislations. It's called in the UK or uh, in mm-hmm. the US, I should say. In in Europe, by the way, it's just called anti-competition, which is what you'd mm-hmm. expect. I guess antitrust is weird because of the historic legacy mm-hmm. that there was some yeah. kind of major trust created by was it Getty, one of the, the oil baron, whatever his name was. And I guess mm-hmm. historically, it's been called antitrust. But I know that there are simultaneously two challenges that that are working around the same kind of issues in the yeah. USA. You got the price parity challenge. So basically, people um, a- Amazon will look at your price on your website or anywhere else online for your products and on amazon and if you're selling on amazon for a higher price they will often mm-hmm. remove the buy box from you they might not f- officially tell you they are but it's a fact that we all know as the body sellers yeah. and that's being looked at in the usa and i think that's also being looked at directly in the eu the buy box particularly because the eu yeah. is obviously a kind of free trade area and it's very it, origins even before it came to the U- european union it was the european economic uh, community and it's based on the idea of free trade so competition in theory is anathema to them so they they want free competition there's a bit of pressure on both sides do you think this is serious do you think it's actually going to affect amazon's behavior or is it just a a political exercise i think that when the politicians feel personally attacked or their power degraded they look for opportunity to diminish the monsters they're fighting and i don't think I think the biggest mistake Jeff Bezos ever made was buying the Washington Post. When he bought the Washington Post, he became an enemy of the state literally at the time, which was the Trump, you know, it was, it was like literally Washington Post versus Trump. You you don't get to, you don't do that and not reap the uh, the whirlwind. And I think that was probably the biggest mistake he's made in his last 20 years because and it doesn't matter. Obviously, it's you can say it's a wise move if your politics are aligned with the party in office. As soon as that doesn't isn't the case, it's really a bad move. And so, I think there's huge growing United States government interest in breaking up the big tech companies. And the question is, which ones could be broken? Apple interest. So, and I just heard a podcast about this recently, where people were describing what could be broken apart. Obviously, Google could be broken easily. YouTube, see you later. That just takes a major chunk out of their business, and it's an easy bifurcation from an outsider's perspective. I'm sure it's technically a disaster, but that's an interesting twist. But Amazon also is easily bifurcated. The government could unwind their acquisitions. Twitch, Whole Foods, even Zappos could come off. But most obviously, AWS could come off. If the federal government made that a reality, that would be literally a disaster scenario, I think, for Amazon. And then you look at the other big companies like Microsoft already went through this 20 years ago, and it did greatly diminish their power. Microsoft was much more dominant 20 years ago than it is now. And they had a huge protracted lawsuit, anti-monopoly lawsuit that they had to fight. And and Bill Gates has reflected and said the his lesson going into that was he was naive and thought that he didn't need to really staff up and come prepared for battle. And he realized after the fact that he was completely and totally outgunned, outclassed, outmaneuvered, and those are my words. I don't know that he ever said that, but he, I think he, what he said specifically was he didn't staff up and plan sufficiently for that protracted battle. 
I think that is absolutely in the future cards for the big tech companies in the United States. I could be wrong, but in, unless they really do a ton of backroom dealings to keep the politicians at bay, I think we're going to see some of that large tech company breakup occur. I wonder, though, whether, I mean, it, it, Jeff Bezos is a business genius, so is Bill Gates in his way. And I just wonder whether Jeff Bezos is cannier than those guys. I, I don't know if he is. As you say, if he had been, maybe he wouldn't have bought the Washington Post. But maybe he's learned from that. I, I, I do see my reading of Jeff Bezos' uh, behavior patterns over the years. And like, goodness knows, I, I don't claim to be an expert, but I have obviously occupied myself with it, as many people do. It does seem to me that he learns his lessons hard and fast. Now, whether the move of the CEO position is related to the antitrust legislation, I don't know. I and mean, it's very speculative, but I wonder whether it takes the spotlight off Jeff Bezos enough to him to play some background deals. The way that they've handled sales tax, for example, and they just kept playing, dangling the yeah. HQ2 mm-hmm. between different states mm-hmm. and avoided for mm-hmm. decades of sales tax. And tax yeah. is obviously the biggest expense for any business and uh, have kept their corporate tax extremely low by not being profitable, which in retrospect, if you look at the cash flow situation, has actually been part of their strategy, I think. Yeah. I wonder whether he has the, the strategic chops to actually deal with this better. It's, it's very speculative. Yeah. We're not constitutional lawyers, but what are your thoughts? Do you think he can do better or do you think he's underestimated the competition here? I think it's not in his control. I think it's in the control of the populace and how anti-corporate America becomes. And to the degree to which they become increasingly anti-corporate, there will be heads on pikes. There, there will be action that's taken by, maybe that's too dramatic, but, you know, there, there will be action that's taken at the governmental level to do these monopoly breakups. I don't think that's not going to happen. I think the odds on that occurring with some large tech company is uh, pretty, it's growing day by day, I think, in the United States. I don't think that's diminishing. Yeah, uh, interesting. I, I think it's increasing right now, and I think it will continue to increase with the changing sentiment of the population. Interesting. Obviously, you're on the, the ground there and literally in Seattle, so you're like the reporter on the front line. Yes, the, the heads on spikes thing I took as metaphorical, although I know yes, American politics, yes. <laughs> you never can assume that there are a lot of guns in America. But anyway, let's assume that it's, it stays metaphorical and, and yes, hope, hope it does for you. So the other things then, stepping away from the antitrust sort of thing for the moment, start, we, we talked about what to keep, start, yeah. stop list. What do you think he should uh, start doing? I know you got some thoughts on this. Yeah. So let's go through a few ideas let's go to you want to do start or you want to do stop sorry i don't mind whichever oh. one grabs your, uh, your vote. yeah let's do start i as i just mentioned i think they should be preparing for a stronger anti-monopoly legal action and maybe they already are i don't even know obviously no would be would know but internally i think they should prepare for that because the question is what does uh amazon's third-party marketplace look like as a standalone company without AWS associated. Could that be technically done? I have no idea. Would it take 20 years legally to impose that reality upon them by the government? I don't know. But that would be the question that they would want to start thinking about aggressively. I think they should also, the reality of, and I think they probably will do this, the reality of the last mile solutions in creative ways, the the drone delivery thing might be a canard, who knows, but will it happen? I don't know. But I think there are other mass last mile delivery solutions that are going to get faster and even better. Amazon warehouses around here literally going up all the time. We live about 35 minutes 
south of downtown Seattle. And the number of warehouses that are just in our general area, they, we just keep hearing about, oh, more giant warehouses uh, going up for Amazon. But the, but the, what they've got to figure out is how do they get that last mile delivery solution in places that are two hours from here, three hours from here, five hours from here. And I think they, as they continue to start that system of discovery, and I, it sounds, I'm saying it as if they are not doing this already, but I, what I guess what I'm saying is they need to start figuring out how to do it better than Walmart, I guess is the gist of it. Because if they don't, they're going to be beat by Walmart at one of their core customer tent, which is speed of delivery. And so I think they have to start more aggressively. They can't just build their own fleet of vans and drive have drivers driving around it just it has to be faster because walmart has a competitive advantage having so many stores all over you know the country the reflection i've got is that everyone's thought of amazon's percentage of what as a percentage of e-commerce but i think if we think of retail as a whole that Walmart has always been the biggest player. Um, Jeff Bezos famously pinched Walmart's sort of best logistics guy to, or fulfillment guy to build their the early versions of the Amazon FBA system 1.0, if you like. And so there's always been this sort of interchange and, and, and rival. And I think if we think of the retail space as a whole and the percentage of the market, at this stage of the game, I think that's the kind of more meaningful one. And in which case, if we put it in that context, everyone has been a bit dim- dismissive as Walmart as a percentage of e-commerce. But I, I still think yeah. that you're right. That's the big play. And it always has been the Battle of the Titans, hasn't it? Yeah, it really is. And it is going to just get more and more creatively intense. And yeah, that's a, it, it's an interesting it's an interesting issue. And Sears Roebuck lasted for 100 years as a huge yeah. general store in the United States. Will Amazon last as a general e-commerce store uh, for 100 years? I don't know. But it is an interesting twist. So there you go. So starting, I think they need to start to figure that out more. I think they also are already doing a small step towards local facilities and retail stores by buying Whole Foods. It really unlocked a whole system to them. And they're also, of course, testing stores. The first Amazon bookstore is in U Village, which is we go to it all the time. It's a bookstore I love to hate. I don't, it's not my favorite bookstore, but I go there regularly. And it's infuriating to me when I go there. But it's I, we talk all about that some other time. But it is a nice experience. And it's a, in a cute little place. And they're scaling those very quickly. And they're also scaling their other store experiences like the shop, the checkout list store experience. And then they've got Whole Foods. So I think they're trying to grow into having local presence in a different differentiated way many places and i think that is the the interesting twist for them that they want to just scale up and continue to do more of yeah very interesting yeah it's the more you think of retail is up one sort of big market with e-commerce is a very interesting specialized part of it the more you mm-hmm. think that the local store presence becomes a thing if you're thinking about competing with walmart so yeah. very interesting and obviously this is a, a move that we don't we haven't really seen physically in the uk and europe yet I, i'm not sure it would make sense either i think the amount of resistance to online sale in the USA is just a big percentage of the population is probably greater than the UK and, and Germany where we actually the distances are so much smaller yeah. and the adoption of e-commerce in, in the UK is actually I think a bigger percentage so maybe the physical locations are very important in the USA to get a percentage of the retail market and I'm mm-hmm. not sure if the same dynamic applies here yeah I think one other thing that they're going to start doing which I'm not thinking they should, but I suspect they will. Again, based on my my uh, podcast guest, Brian Gaster, who's a, a sort of Washington insider, and that's his kind of perspective. He's not an e-commerce operator at all. They 
grew $100 billion in, in revenue last year, which is a startling figure. That's 2020. So if you're going to keep um, growing things, um, one of the things that, that forces from the self-interest point of view, employees at Amazon at the sort of high level employees, so in the C-suite and so forth and management to push really hard is that their compensation is actually pretty lousy, but they get great stock options and stock advantages. So they are very highly incentivized to push that share price up. Now, what they've tended to do is make heavy bets on things some of which have failed but they haven't tended to do bet the company type bets which i think is strategically very smart but one of the things that's going to be forced upon them a bit is if they're going to keep growing aggressively to get some very aggressive bets and heading into areas where they may not have any competitive advantage which is one of jeff bezos's great touchstones is that for example in 2006 he said don't go into groceries because i don't see we have a competitive advantage now that particular area they may not have developed one but overall i wonder if this internal driver is the beginning of day two when they start doing stuff they shouldn't just because they feel a pressure to grow what are your thoughts on that yeah it's a good question they have done stuff that they haven't done well the fire phone was a good example their entry into the mobile phone market was a total dud and so yeah i i don't know i i guess that's where the heavy is the head that wears a crown type thing. Andy Jassy's decisions will be very, like very hard to, to think through. I think they have, I think what most large tech companies do is they experiment through acquisition. Really they shortcut R and D they just acquire. So if you acquire a company that's doing something interestingly, they've already got it sorted out and bolt them in. Then the only question is, can you integrate them and have incremental value? And so I think that's the way a lot of large tech companies do this. And so they don't have to experiment radically. They have to acquire <laughs> aggressively. <laughs> and and I think that's the sort of the interesting the journey that they're they're probably going to be on more than trying new things that are completely divergent. I yes. think the thing we haven't talked about that they will keep, obviously, which we have to go back to the keep list for a moment, is just the Amazon Prime experience. That was the biggest revolution in their e-commerce marketplace. Of That just was a game changer. And, and of course, huge props to Bezos for in, in the last season of the company sorting that piece out because it unlocked incredible customer loyalty. And so the Amazon Prime TV programming and all of the other benefits, I would see Amazon Prime being uh, just a continuation of the theme. And I think that's one piece that's important. Obviously, they flirted with starting something. I think somebody called it Prime Health as another thing they would start. And they tried that with Buffett for a bit. This year or two ago, they started this initiative focusing on health. I don't know that it's going anywhere. Maybe it is. But I think that's an interesting new path they could go down. Yeah. So on the start list, that's the the main thing that I've heard. And again, it's not an e-commerce place. So I don't, I haven't bothered to develop any sort of expertise in it. But that Amazon Health in America, which is obviously a very different environment to the US, UK, or, or Europe, is potentially a huge area for them. And do you think that's the thing they're going to push into, or what are your thoughts on that? I don't know why it unraveled a little bit, and I haven't lo- researched it as, uh, either. I did; it just wasn't in my scope of interest, uh, really, to be honest. When they started it, or when I heard that, I think it was. Berkshire Hathaway walked away from the collaboration. I think it was them and Amazon and another, was it a insurer or or a a health company? But um, I don't know. It's just total um, speculation. Could they go in that direction? I don't know. If anybody cracks the code on healthcare costs, they will extract massive value for themselves in D 
expensing the healthcare system. Whoever can do that and make money doing it, that's an oxymoron. Can you make money de-expensing the healthcare system? I don't know, but... That does sound uh, like an Amazon... Pl- well, from the outside perspective, yeah. from the European perspective, I mean, my perspective, UK is a bit different from mainland Europe, but looking at the US healthcare system, it does look ripe for reform, let's put it that way, without getting political about it. And and I do wonder whether Amazon yeah. uh, is the is the company to do it, but given that they are very good at cutting costs and yet making money. I, I think that kind of sounds like an Amazon play, but we shall see. As you say, we're not in the healthcare sphere, so I guess it's not going to be the thing we, yeah. we obsess with. What are your final thoughts on what they're going to stop doing? I think maybe we've talked about a lot of keeping, which mm-hmm. I think is a big hint as to how much of a continuity there's going to be. Do you think there's anything that Andy Justice is going to be thinking we need to stop doing that now? And it's a great question. I think that their lawsuits in Europe related to them being a first party seller are of interest. You have more insight and understanding into that whole dynamic of them as a seller on their marketplace versus a, a manager of the marketplace. I think that's something that is growing increasingly questionable, maybe in Europe more than the US. I think in the US people accept it more, but I'd be interested in your thoughts on that one as a major thing that might be stopped. Here's the thing. I I think that Amazon is going to stop doing things like private labeling other people's products so much and and not be so aggressive in its own marketplace because the European Union is pretty strict on that kind of thing. And, And it seems to me stricter than the States in the sense that the flow of legislation in the European Union, like I'm not a constitutional lawyer for the EU, obviously, but the European Union creates directors which are then built into national law, which is not quite the same as the conflict sometimes between federal law and state law in the States, as I understand it. So I think in a way they might have an easier path to impose this stuff, potentially. But here's what I would say. I don't think Amazon's going to be sad about that. I think the idea that Amazon, as third-party sellers, were always paranoid and we're not wrong sometimes to be paranoid about Amazon at the small scale copying products that work well and private labeling products that you've done for a cheaper price or going direct to the the suppliers or whatever. You're not wrong to be paranoid about that. But the thing is that Amazon loses vast amounts of money on that. So I don't see them being very incentivized to keep doing that. And I think what they want is is the marketplace to be a bigger and bigger percentage of of the revenue to be sold by third-party sellers because they make money on those guys. As you said, 15% sales commission, probably break even roughly on the FBA fees uh, approximately. We don't know. And definitely make a lot of money on the ads. So I I don't see why Amazon wouldn't roll over and give you give the people what they want. They'll say, okay, we'll stop being so aggressive. We'll stop this. We'll stop that because they don't really want to be first party sellers anyway. So it doesn't make them money. It loses mm-hmm. them a lot of money. So in a way, I think as usual that the the legislators are responding to popular opinion. And I'm not saying that either is wrong, but I think they're going to end up with the result that Amazon wanted anyway, which is to say mm-hmm. less first party aggression, more third party giving them money, which is what mm-hmm. makes them money. I think the thing that would worry Amazon would be if AWS was split off. Mm-hmm. And that isn't, although theoretically it would make sense, I haven't heard moves that that's happening. It's interesting to me. Yeah. As you say, if that happened, that could be a bad day for Amazon. But well, so. this whole show speculation show. I mean, like, is speculation. Yeah. What, what we know, who knows whether any of this will ever happen or not? But it's a little bit of a soap opera scenarios. Yeah. No, I think the other thing that is clearly in the stop mode, I guess you could say, to frame it negatively, is they need to stop their employment practices that are hurting their reputation, and that's clearly been been happening. And so they, they, and they've already in the transition, they're already speaking to that and they're trying to frame it positively, which is fine. They want to be the world's best employer. The reality is maybe they should just stop being a really bad employer 
in some you know cases. And so I think they need to stop that. And that's obvious to them, I think. There's just no drama there. I think the question is balancing that, again, as we've talked about, with the need for a super efficiency and for low-cost structures. And I think that'll inevitably lead them to more and more. And their warehouse system is built on people now. It just it still, it continues to be very people intensive business that they're in. And I think that's the challenge. They can't treat people like robots. And so the answer is they need more robots. And I think that'll be something that they continue to lean into. Yeah. We do have some, some good questions here. We want to make sure we get to it before we wrap things up as well. Yeah. Yeah. Jacob, a buddy asked a good question. Oh, that wasn't his, uh, what it, sorry, I'm putting on the screen here. What role does inflation play in Amazon's future? We wonder. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great question to the extent that we have inflation. Of course, the first question when you have uh, an inflationary environment is if your costs are going up, do you have pricing power? And so then the question is, do they have pricing power? And so do they have pricing power at the third party or at the marketplace level? Let's just put it that way. Do they have pricing power at the AWS as a service? Uh, level? And do they have pricing power at the advertising level? And can they raise their prices in each of those areas? Now, the interesting dynamic with all tech companies is there is an maybe inflationary environment. People are still debating what's happening in the the larger economy. But there's also clearly deflationary pressure that is constantly making things cheaper on the tech stack side. The computing power, the, the Moore's Law stuff just continues to kick in there is just a greater and greater cost efficiency in the computing components of their business, which is obviously you know, a massive part of it. The salaries are going to go up, obviously, for the, the people involved, but the deflationary pressures on the all of the cost structures for the computing power, et cetera, et cetera, and even things like the electrical grid and on, those things help them. So all things being equal, will will it come out in the wash or will they be more valuable as a company going forward? Yeah, probably I would say they would be in terms of the spectrum of are they being helped or hurt because of the inflation and deflation, all things being equal, they're probably better off in the future than they are. It's interesting. Um, I I would say Amazon as a marketplace can leverage its brand as Amazon, but in the marketplace, they don't have to bear the cost of goods. That's borne by the mm -hmm, third-party seller. mm -hmm, So it's even more of a push towards being a marketplace and maybe being the sort of anchor brand. But they have... I mm-hmm. believe 12 million product lines. That's just ridiculous. I and mean, when Walmart and then the average <laughs> local store has 1,200 or 2,000 or something like that, it, it's just, it's not manageable or not sensible and it loses them lots of money. So I don't see why they wouldn't pass all the risk of inflation in the actual cost of goods and the actual freighting of goods onto third-party sellers. And sure. they are. The truth is they are. Mm-hmm. Percentage. The marketplace, therefore, I think is reasonably proofed against that insofar as they don't allow things to go too far and get really expensive compared to whoever they think their direct competitors are. And I'm not sure Walmart and eBay, for example, are the direct competitors of Amazon. Their positioning is a little bit more, a little bit more upmarket than that in terms of the consumer experience. To your point, Jason, about your delivery with a plastic bag. It's not quite an Amazon type of experience. Yeah. And then the advertising thing, I think they're, they're reasonably proof against inflation because they can pass it on to the third-party sellers for a large amount before they re- literally leave. Mm-hmm. The AWS thing is interesting. I think AWS was deliberately priced at a low level so that it was unattractive because it wasn't very profitable for Microsoft or Google, for example, the obvious mm-hmm. investors. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to keep those the lid on those prices in order to make it unattractive enough to make that a barrier to entry, <laughs> it's it's a constant they're in a gladiator pit with a couple huge monsters because they have to compete with the google cloud and the microsoft azure cloud those guys are coming for that cloud business 
They want their cut of that cloud business. So yeah. they've got to be competitive uh, in that space. So the question is, where do they have pricing power in their system without a lot of downside risk? And that's probably a obviously huge area of learning and undertaking right now. This is an interesting set of speculative <laughs> you know, ideas, but it's so fun to think through this amazing business that Bezos built and what could the future hold for it and, i think uh, my, my yeah. final take on this i'm being in your sort of wrap-up take is really actually more of the same i think that the amount of change of any radical nature that jas is likely to do if you look at the dynamics and the upsides versus downsides for amazon i think is quite limited i think a lot of the trends that have that i see going and that we've been discussing or if you dig deep, really continuations of what Amazon's been doing for the last 10 years. The percentage of revenue taken by third-party sellers has been growing for years. The amount of money that Amazon has to spend to fulfill products has been growing as a percentage of the revenue has been growing for years, for example. Yeah. So I think a lot of these trends, AWS has been getting bigger and bigger for years. So I think a lot of the trends are just already set. So if you extrapolated just out from current trends, I don't think you'd be massively wrong. No, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because when you think of Apple and when Steve Jobs uh, passed away, you think, man, that company is amazingly focused and just doing so well with its products. How could it do any better? And then for a decade, Tim Cook just optimizes it like crazy, does iterative version after iterative version of all of the products. I guess, though, maybe Apple Watch is the innovation of the last decade. The same could be true for Amazon, just keeping the advertising you know, system growing, just keeping AWS growing, just keeping the e-commerce marketplace growing could produce insanely good results over the next decades. And so I'm not sure that obviously he's inheriting one of the you know most valuable and best companies in the world. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Well, look, thank you for taking the time to speculate about this with me. It's, it's good fun. It's good to have us all. Seattle quasi insider in the podcast as well. So get, get a bit of a flavor of what it's like locally. And I'm glad to hear they're building some warehouses because we all desperately want them. <laughs> There's a desperate <laughs> shortage of capacity right now. So I'm glad that's one thing that I think everybody in the third party seller community would say, please start building warehouses like crazy right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sure. Uh, let's do a little wrap up here. Um, we've got a fun contest that's running that we want to make sure we let people know about. So for the through the month of July, we've got a fun little uh, support us please pod podcast contest and uh, is subscribe to the podcast. There's several ways you can do that. And you can, you can do that at contest.theecommerceleader.com. And that is our contest landing page. We'd love to have you check that out. Simple, straightforward, easy to do. Contest.theecommerceleader.com. You can win a $250 Visa gift card that you can use for anything you want. And we'd love to have you enter. The entry methods are just simply following us on your podcast player of choice. And uh, that'll do the trick. Michael, any thoughts on the contest? Yeah, there's no downside. I mean, you could win $250. Uh, so I, I get in there and, and subscribe away, folks. So also, it's just it's a very small thing for somebody to do, but it's really helpful to us as well. And if you're finding the content yeah. useful, then it would be our way of of getting a tiny bit of something back and giving you a chance to win $250. Yeah, why not do it? <laughs> Absolutely. It's an honor and we really appreciate everybody's support for the podcast. This is the most popular e-commerce podcast on Spotify when you use a hyphen between the E and the C, I like to say, <laughs> and frequently without the hyphen as well. And it's just an honor to be able to hang out and talk e-commerce every week. 
and we're just delighted to be able to do it. And so this is a different topic than we usually go into, but it's been a fun one. So appreciate the time, Michael. And yeah. as always, man, it's an honor. So Yeah, likewise. And great, great to be able to pick the brains of somebody who's go such a good e-commerce leader himself. So yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.